steering team for another week episode 71 this is my favorite number and we're there we made it we did it 71 episodes of course on the show today we've got my good mate drew and Woo. myself phil there he is unfortunately kent can't be with us he's actually uh, escaped the country uh, and to go and find some cooler weather uh, anyway on with the show mr drew how would you be i i'd be rather good i've had a few days off work it's been nice and uh, peaceful jelly yes I, i'll bet you are but that all comes to an end in about, well, let's say 14 hours. 14 hours from the point of recording. So it's yes. currently 10.37 p.m. on a Wednesday night, Wednesday the 16th of January. Of course, this episode goes live on Thursday the 17th of January, if I'm not mistaken. It's the Indeed 17th. It 17 normally follows 18. Of course, 17 is the opposite of 71, and this is episode 71. So there you go. Woo! Meant to be. It's meant to be. Hmm. Very anyway. interesting. Uh, very can you, interesting. Can you believe we're over two weeks into the month? Into the year? Uh, two weeks into the year, yes. Staggering, yeah. shocking, unbelievable is what it is. Um, and of course, on this 71st edition, we have for you some enormous stories. Um, all of which I cannot remember at this moment. But uh, yeah, they are all, all enormous. We're going to touch on the fact that we had the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer come out. And it Less than fantastic. 24 hours ago. Indeed, and we shared the crap out of that on the page. Thank you, Drew. We, um, we also are covering... What was the bigger one that we had? We have Ghostbusters. The, the fact that there could be a new Ghostbusters from Sanova, director of yeah. the original Ghostbusters. We've Yeah, we've, we've got some movie news. We've got a bit of everything. We've got some interesting um, Africa news, we'll call it that. Yes, indeed. Uh, we've got some Ghostbusters news. We've got some Apple news because we wouldn't be Kent and the steering team without talking without about Apple. Apple. Um, oh, what else have we got? Um, oh, we've got uh, the uh, New South Wales election and the Liberal Party and what they're doing for the state. Indeed. This is not an infomercial, but it's what it's just infrastructure news essentially very interesting infrastructure news too uh we got a little more movie news in there and we've even got some space news so we're we're jam-packed with news this week but before any of that i've just remembered because i haven't actually had this chat with you i sent you a really interesting screenshot from instagram i sent Mm -hmm. you a picture from laura dern's instagram page of her and joe mazzello together at the critics choice awards what an adorable photo. It's awesome. It is really awesome because, of course, the two of them played um, Tim and... What was her name? Dr. Ellie Sattler. Oh, that was... Course, how would I forget? Jeez. My, I'm having just forget? a... What's funny is ever since I hit record, I'm having massive mind blanks. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Yep. Um, yeah, Dr. Ellie Sattler on um, the original Jurassic Park. Indeed. And it was awesome to see them together it's funny when you first sent it to me i recognized laura dern straight away but at first yep. i was like who's who's she there with and then i realized of course yeah, that it's was, joe mazzello that's it's how Timmy. i reacted i was looking at it i was like wait 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 oh my god that's it there it well, is it's a bit it's a bit like in um uh, bohemian rhapsody i was like who oh my god it's tim <laughs> oh my god joe mazzello is there there he is He's a very interesting person. I've, I've seen a few interviews. I've read 
mm. a few more. Um, turns out that little appearance he had in the Lost World Jurassic Park mm-hmm. paid for his college tuition. Seriously. Seriously. And oh and he and, he and Spielberg joke about the fact that 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 role was just him Spielberg helping him pay his college tuition just by why, putting him in there like that. <laughs> why in in The Lost World? Why did he have a British accent? I have no idea. You know how he, you know, in the yeah. first one, he's, he's like, um, and my teacher says that this, and she says that, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, and then in The Lost World, he's like, Dr. Malcolm. Dr. Malcolm. I mean, he, he's very, very formal. He's very formal. Yeah, Grandpa. Kids. But in, in The Lost World, uh, Dr. Malcolm. I reckon the possibly because his voice broke, because it did. It's quite mm-hmm. noticeable. And also he's a kid that's just had stardom for a role and is probably being fed a lot of well you're an actor you're a thespian you've you've got to hone in your ability you've got to evolve and grow as a character Mm. so he probably decided to take some creative liberties there and i'm pretty sure no one cared because again there to pay his college tuition and was on screen for what eight seconds or something <laughs> yeah, I'm disappointed we didn't see more of them. Yeah, but, you know, the fun thing about the movies is the door is always open to go back. Can you imagine if in the the next instalment, if they're there in some capacity? Imagine they won't be, but imagine if they were. I feel like it would make sense for them to be, given um, what transpired in Fallen Kingdom, the fact that... Um, you know the the dinosaurs and that fell to uh, the estate of his old partner. Now that he's gone, with no real recognized heir to any of it, yeah, it could be. surely yeah. it, it falls to Timmy and Lexi to shepherd the islands and the dinosaurs. That'd be cool. It'd be real cool. It to me, it makes sense that it would fall to them and to Lockwood's. Uh, granddaughter for want of a better term um clonosaurus rex yeah surely it would fall to them but you know we're, we're gonna have to wait and see personally as awesome as it would be to have the kids back and it really would be awesome i am just waiting with everything crossed to hopefully see laura dern and sam neil and Jeff i just Goldblum want sam neil I just want Sam Neill. Um, it's also interesting to read the notes on Jurassic Park 3 and how um, I was watching a YouTube video about like kind of lost films of the Jurassic Park world mm. and how William H. Macy was just so annoyed and frustrated with Jurassic Park 3 because it's not at all what it should have been at all. Yeah. Like, because, of course, they threw the script out about three weeks out from filming or something like that. Like They had to dead set on the fly using the sets that they'd already organised rewrite the make whole a, thing make a new film which is ridiculous they should have just stuck with the original film because it well, seemed like an okay idea I've forgotten what was the reason they chucked it again don't know they just didn't like the script they were like no let's do something else because it was a good script I, I mm. remember I remember watching the making of the film and they briefly touched upon some of the storyboarding that they'd done and sequences that were meant to be in there and it looked rather epic I, well, you know, the fact that um, uh, William H. Macy was meant to be playing an eccentric billionaire and the fact that um, Tia Leone was playing uh, 
I, I can't remember, but someone completely different. And yet, then there, there, there they are as a bunch, uh, just a poor family there with some hired guns and messing about, and they bribed or bullshitted to Alan Grant to get him there. Like it, it's just it just seems like a crappy story, and it was a crappy story because it was a rewrite. There's too many plot holes. Like there's some there's some really interesting sequences in there, mm. but ah, oh, just you watch it for the fun moments. You don't actually watch that one for story. And for those of you out there that think you don't watch any Jurassic Park film for story, uh, pay closer attention. What's the first one? What's yeah. the first one? The first one is so well written. Such a complete story. Yeah. The first one is excellent, and then go to the second one, because the second one, I find that the sets are all in service of story. There's great sequences, Absolutely. but they are in service of story. Mm. Third one, yeah. Fourth one, very... Um, uh, the, the, the fourth one feels like it tries to do some fan service by having the park open and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but then it drops away massively in terms of quality of script. It drops away as I it find. goes, which is a shame, because there's so many little glimmers in the fourth one where it completely understands and is very self-referential it's, it's winking at the audience constantly with its product placement and and it, it I feel like many people miss that point of it but the whole idea what, you know the Samsung Innovation Center Verizon Wireless but what presents, annoys me like, what, what, what annoys yeah. me is that I loved that idea in a film but it doesn't have a place in a Jurassic Park movie it feels like, like it even should've... as a joke, even, even, but it doesn't. It does, it does in a film like a um, Transformers movie or like a Marvel movie. It does. It does where it's almost playful, so it's okay if they kind of take the piss out of that idea. But Jurassic Park's too serious for taking the piss out of it, and they. It was too comical the whole film, and it was, the script was paper thin, and the joke of product placement was a joke and it made the film a joke to me like it didn't it, it yeah. didn't it, it made the movie not take the movie seriously enough which is what Jurassic Park is all about again if you look at the first one and I know we've said this many many time listeners but and we've spoken about Jurassic Park many many times but like the script on the first one is so detailed and so interesting and so complete and the backstories and just by you know, you go back and rewatch it so many times and you hear a little bit more about it and you learn a little bit more about it and you hear a little bit more about the world and they say characters' names as if it's in a novel rather than if it's in a movie where in a movie they'd say the complete name in, in, in you know, like if they're talking about the lawyer that gets shredded and ripped apart to pieces by the T-Rex, they're standing there and they look at the this like destroyed toilet, you know, shack and they go, oh, this is Gennaro, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, Laura Dunn goes, yeah, I think you're right. Like, little lines like that don't appear in the fourth one because there's no point where it's built the intention or the, the intensity like that nowhere gives you that opportunity I think part of what works in the first one's favour is that the author was one of the two script writers as well and also it was in a time when people cared about the script a little bit more and the detail of the script they did and and you know it... <sighs> I come back to this, I, th I think that they did this intentionally, and that, that does make me feel cheated with Jurassic World, that, that they made mm -hmm. it feel like a popcorn-y paper thin. I, I do feel a little bit cheated, but at the same time, you know, it's probably better that the first of the new trilogy is, you know, the, the lesser of them, because we certainly were in for a treat with Fallen Kingdom 
as far as quality went, it was a step up and it was a very strong linear story. Yeah, I still just find the biggest plot hole to be why didn't they go to Isla Sauna? I, I I agree. I do. I completely And again, agree. the idea that the but, idea that the reason being is because they didn't want to film another movie there is just not to be taken seriously. They they wanted to take them away from the island and, and yeah, they should have they should have given us a reason why they didn't go to Isla Sauna. I, I wouldn't have cared what the reason is too much so long as they gave us one. But mm-hmm. still, the fact that they gave us ample time on the island they gave us a little nod but they made mm-hmm. it something different happening on the island something interesting and it wasn't a human threat on the island and it wasn't a dinosaur threat on the island and then once they get off that they put us into a very claustrophobic um haunted house style mm. film for the rest of it that was fun that like that that is actually rollicking fun and the fact that they managed to double back and forth between what was going on there and then mm. the actual intricacies of the business side of what was happening with the dinosaurs and with the um, the Lockwood family and the estate, that, that actually ties up quite nicely. I'm still, despite the fact that I much preferred Fallen Kingdom to, the, to Jurassic yeah. World, yeah. I'm still of the opinion that neither of them deserve to be with the Jurassic at the side of it neither of them are to the caliber of what the Jurassic Park films are I think and that's sure that's a bit of nostalgia but it's also down to the quality like even uh, Jurassic Park 3 as crappy as it is still to me the quality of it in terms of the quality of the sets quality of locations rates higher or rates higher than the two world world films I'll put Fallen Kingdom above three, just... Oh, no, no, in, in terms of enjoyment, I agree, but in terms of, of quality, where they sit in terms of respect to Jurassic, Jurassic Park and what the first two films did for quality, three is ahead of it. Not based on story, but based on locations, on use of animatronics. It does let itself down with some of the use of animation, and it's the early 2000s animation the same sort of one that's in The Hobbit, where it just looks shit ass. The CGI um, is yeah. terrible in three. Awful. The only, oh, the, the only thing are I'll, awful. Ah, uh, yeah, it's not even that. It's the T Rex and Spinosaurus battle is terrible. Yeah, like I, I give them credit when the Spinosaurus is in the lake, because that was the animatronic, mm. and that mm. is a genuinely terrifying scene to watch. Right up there with the birdcage, which mm-hmm. just still freaks me out to this day. But yeah, but yeah. No, I am. Yeah. Moving along from Jurassic Park now. Uh, yes, let's indeed. Go into I've, a just, bit of... I've just looked at the time and gone, oh, okay. That yes. Went, yep. Let's uh, let's get to some infrastructure news and the fact that a large segment or the first segment of the um, metro line, the Sydney metro line, which is the new railway system being built, which will end up going past near where I live at the moment, mm. um, in about four years' time, um, is currently on the verge of opening not only early but 500 million dollars under budget which is a rare feat for our current liberal government i think you'd say very 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 rare feat for our um our current liberal government i'm just thinking back on our liberal and our labor governments and Mm. when the last time either of them delivered on any kind of exceptional terms um 
liberal, I, at least we're guaranteed for some entertainment with our mm. um, Prime Minister hopping. Uh, yes. Labour, well, Kevin stole back the job. Um, yeah, and then lost it to Big Ears and uh, then yeah. disappeared. Uh, before that, Kevin apologised. So yes, so that was you know that was what it was. Good on him for for actually just going ahead and doing it because he said he was going to do it and he did it within yeah. hundred days. Yeah, he actually kept to his mm-hmm. campaign promise. Uh, before that, Liberals' biggest achievement was um, our fantastic unparalleled gun laws. Thank you, John Howard. Yeah, I mean, you can't can't fault the gun laws for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, okay, so here in the state of New South Wales, so we've got several infrastructure things happening thanks to the so so. I have full respect for the Liberal government for showing that they're willing to just yep absolutely do something. Thankfully, they're doing something about city's infrastructure because it is kind of crappy. Um, they brought in a uh, London. Oyster card cut type system, the the tap and go system, which I think is excellent. People don't like it because of the cost. They don't like it because of the blah 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 blah. I think it's a good system, regardless. It's a much easier system than having a ticket thing that doesn't make sense, especially when you look at bus tickets, where they used to be, where you had to go and like. I remember my mum called up Sydney Transit or State Transit once to try work out what bus ticket she needed, and she said, "I'm going from like." I don't know, circular key to the other side of the Harbour Bridge. How many zone tickets is that? And no one knew the answer to it because no one understood. You had to buy like a zone, like you couldn't just buy like a one zone bus ticket. You had to buy like a three zone bus ticket. But everyone was like, what the hell's a zone? What 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 is the ticket? So no one understood stood that system. The train tickets were a bit messy. They didn't really make sense. And you always had to queue up to buy a bloody ticket. Um, so look, the, the, the tap and go system, the Opal card is a great system. Now we can use our credit cards. Um, we also have the, the, uh, West connects, which I'm, I was a big fan of to start with. And now I'm, I'm very pissed off at it, uh, which is going to essentially create a ring road through Sydney, which is what Sydney's always kind of needed for motorway systems. Oh, desperately. So that's excellent. Um, we are hoping that, and again, we'll get to why I'm teetering on whether I vote for them or not shortly um they also have for us the metro system which is a fantastic railway system that they're building which is driverless um and yeah a great revamp they've also approved um a new casino in barangaroo as well as new uh, skyscrapers down there which looks fantastic that's just outside darling harbour near sydney's harbour bridge as well um we also have from them a revamp of Sydney's main train station, the Central Station or Sydney Terminal, if you're from outside Sydney. And yeah, look, they're doing a lot for us. They're doing some great things. They're also making a airport connection, which avoids having to go through narrow kind of um, local roadway system and onto direct kind of freeway, uh, freeways and stuff like that around the airport. So they've done some excellent things. The negative things, they've sold off our power company, which they said was to pay for the West Connects and the Metro Station. So, okay, they sold off that stuff. Okay, but then they started building the other stuff. So back to being a pro for them. But now they've sold the West Connects, which is ridiculous, to pay for what looks like the stadium. The, the, we have two stadiums here in Sydney, three stadiums here in Sydney. One was out west that they've knocked down and they're rebuilding. That one probably needed a rebuild. Um, we have one inner city stadium, which doesn't really need to be knocked down, maybe renovated heavily, but not knocked down. 
And then we have the Olympic Stadium built in 1998 for 1999 and then for the 2000 Olympics as well. Um, so it's, it's what, 20, 21 years old, I think. And yep. they are looking 20, 20, 20 or 21 years old. And they're looking at completely refurbishing it um, at a cost of about 780 to about 900 million each one, Jeez. basically, each stadium. So absurd fucking lootly not on my dime are you building those stadiums. No, thank you. Um, but so they've sold the power company. Then they sold the new roadway system that they built. Of course, in the year, what is it, 2036, I think it is, the toll for one usage of the West Connects will be $46. What? You have got to be kidding me if you think I'm paying that. What? Yes, they built a new roadway system, which no one is going to use because it costs a fortune, because the money isn't going to state revenue, it's going to a private company. So a private company is getting all of the money that that, that they unfairly own because the government sold it, because the government decided that they didn't want it anymore because they wanted to make more money off the sale of this company, not off the tax of, or not off the toll itself. So yeah, so that's why I think I'm not gonna, I'm, I can't, I don't think, I, I think it's legal for me to tell you who I'm voting for, but. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be them because I'm very very much appreciative of the work that they've done but at the same time every single time they've done something good with the best intentions they've then completely destroyed their own goodwill by doing something completely stupid having said that I think voting for the Labour Party here in New South Wales would be a mistake because I think the Labour Party are just as clueless and afraid in fact of spending any money on any infrastructure which is a mistake well look at um, look at the two um compared the two plans for the stadiums that was a big debate for a long time yeah over who had the better plan neither of them had a good plan for it let's no. be honest one was one was knocked down one was do basically nothing yeah. yeah neither of them works no now the perk with the uh the current government's plans with the mm-hmm light rail is that they've come in a year early. Oh, light rail. Of course, light yeah, rail. light rail. Light rail. They've come in with the Northwest Rail Link a year early mm-hmm. and $500 million under budget. Mm-hmm. That is just unheard of. Like, how has this happened? Of course, that being the metro line. Yes, the metro yeah, line. Metro so, line. So this will but, be the line running from Chatswood and Hornsby out through the northwest, through Cherrybrook, Pennon Hills, Castle Hill, mm-hmm. um, Castle Hill Showground, Kajong Road, out to Rouse Hill. Now, yes. that is the first stage of the metro line. The idea is that one day it'll actually replace all of the Sydney metropolitan area's train systems. But yeah. they're rolling it out one stage at a time. Now, the second stage almost directly affects you, doesn't it? Yes, because it goes past Sydney Station, which is the main junction stadium near me. However, it's, it's not... Not so effective because it's going to be closing down a rail line that I don't use very often. Um, but it's causing some disruption at the stadium. Uh, the stadium, the station. They are building a second gantry to to cross over, which is cool, um, and will affect two platforms at the station. So it's not so much of a, of a bad thing. They, where are um, they building the second gantry? Down the other end. Do you remember? Do you remember when it was under construction? The the yes, the side that we use now. Yeah, and how's there was that temporary one down the other end? Yep. They're building a permanent one down that end now, with entry to the station right. at that end too. Well, that makes sense. That's where the car park yeah. is. 
Exactly. So, Not only that, though, but they're going to make it so that it gets a bit more access to the art district of Marrickville, which is down down that end of Marrickville. Um, so so it'll cool. run both oh. sides. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, the cab, both sides. where the cab rink is. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, of course, the government has also introduced light rail to the city in a rather hastily kind of thought out and planned route straight down one of the main in fact the main street of the city uh, of George Street <laughs> George Street which is now basically a ghost town I think it will be nice once it's completely done but it's a bit shambolic at the moment and also I think they've made a mistake in having completely severing the city basically you're going to cripple mm. um, Circular Key and you're going to cripple yeah, yeah look I don't know we'll see we'll see what happens when it's finished and it's also cutting off a lot of Sydney they're also having light rail out to the Olympic Park where the stadium rebuild is meant to happen and it's going through Parramatta which is uh, the basically the CBD out west um, there's a lot going on in the city the light rails and a total disaster basically I think at this stage look, well, we- it's, it's way over budget it's taking too long and yeah it looks nice the parts that are done but most of it's not done well, we took a stroll over over the tracks the other night um, mm. when we were walking past the QVB. We walked over the light rail tracks, and yeah. you're, you're right, it's an absolute ghost town. The city is becoming a shell of itself, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're hoping that it'll rebuild after the light rail opens, but, you know, who, who knows? And then they're charging on to Parramatta at the same time. Parramatta's yeah. meant to be introducing light rail that'll cut through, through the town, um... The main, the main uh, restaurant street in um, Eat Street, Eat Street in Parramatta is going to have light rail down it, which is going to completely cripple that, that area during I'm, construction and after. I'm not entirely opposed to them shutting down cars on Eat Street because I don't but, understand why they let vehicles through it now to begin with. But uh, to yeah, turn yeah, it, yeah, I, I instead, it, instead of it being um, maybe outdoor dining kind of thing they're turning it into light rail so it's, it's the same thing it's just that you can't park there now well well, you can't park there now anyway it's oh, already okay. it's already outdoor dining but it's very mm. narrow to drive through I, I've done it a fair few times it's not easy to drive through there's nowhere to pull up in there there's no parking like there's no on street parking there's nowhere to pull up but the light rail will take drive more through space. the whole thing Light rail will take up right. Light rail will it's, take up more space than the current space allotted for cars, though, would it not? No, it's the equivalent of one and a half lanes, but it's one way through most of it. Like part of it is is two way, yeah. but most of it is one way. But you've got nearly the space to fit two lanes. Yeah, but then the so light rail is going to be it is about the same width as a car, if not a little bit more, and it's ex- exactly going to be two ways. So, so the light rail, mm, yeah, well. It'll take up more space. It'll take up a little bit, maybe. But have you seen how big Eat Street's outdoor dining is? It's it's massive. Even if they mm. took a little cart, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I, I don't actually think it'll affect too much of Eat Street. Okay. Especially well, that's if, it, that's if, a positive, it, if it goes over the river, I, I think it'll be fine. And I will assume that it will go over the river. Because if it goes over the river and then veers left out of Eat Street, it'll take you straight to the soon-to-be-newly-opened newly refurbished Parramatta Stadium. Yeah, excellent. So that, Which, that, that would be common sense. Then. Yeah, and we're going to have to make a trip there for a game this year. Yes, because I'd love very, to see a new stadium. Very, very keen. Of course, then, my dilemma in voting for the Liberal Party this year, despite the fact that I think they've done some fantastic things, they've made some hastily 
poor decisions, I guess. But at the same time, look, they're showing that they're interested in infrastructure, which is a good thing. Yep. Um, my downside about voting for them is the obviously the cost of everything. But I can't vote for Labour because I'm afraid that Labour are going to absolutely put a dead halt on the West Connects project like they did in Melbourne where Melbourne was having its own cross-city kind of tunnel built yep. underneath it and the Labour government despite the fact that they're about $2 billion into it said absolutely no and stopped it dead in its tracks. Massive cost but that's one thing that people voted for so okay fair enough if they do that for the West Connects there is a section of the tunnel that's being built next year or commencing its construction next year which links the um, St. Peter's interchange, uh, interchange, which is quite near to where I live, yep. over to the M4, which is quite near where you live. Indeed. And so if Labour come into power, I don't think they want to build that part of it, which means that right near me is going to be the end of one of the largest motorway networks in Sydney, right next to where I live, right next to where, uh, or near, near to where I, I work, and then also right near one of the most quiet, or most uh, busy, populous streets in Sydney, in King Street. If they funnel every single car from the West Connect straight onto the main Prince's Highway, which runs down to Melbourne, and then onto King Street, that'll just cripple the motorway because the traffic will back up so far. Cripple the street because there'll be so many cars on it. Cripple the highway because there's so many cars on it. And cripple the area because there's so many cars on it. They're already widening, widening one of the roads near here or one of the quiet suburban streets. They've turned it into three lanes each way. Jeez. So that way, they, that way they can funnel the cars off of it. However, that funneling of cars runs into a one-way, a one-lane each way suburban road and a one lane each way, another suburban road. So that's two one way each way suburban roads that they're going to be funneling three lanes in both directions of traffic onto, which will look fantastic for the West Connects and their group because the traffic won't appear to be on the on-ramps or blocking the highway. Instead, it will be clogging up all the local streets in the area. So I need labor to want to finish the West Connects and complete the loop or it's going to just destroy everything in this area. And all those houses that they've built, or that they knocked down, will be in total vain. You're at a stalemate. So I need Labour to do it. Yeah. It's, I, it's so I, I, I don't know who to... Yeah, so I don't know who to vote for. Well, because well, I, I, I'm stuck. I need Liberal to finish it, but I don't want to sell off anything else. And I want them to finish all the stuff that they've started. Liberal's and I want Labour to... Liberal's going to leave West Connect um, tolls privatised, though. So there's no... I know. So it's So it's kind of like... Labor you know, don't, don't, I, that's why I'm stuck. It's already sold off, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. So part the, of it is. Yeah. Okay. So there's no way of claiming that back. It's going to be what whatever you said, forty six dollars, no. Yeah. no matter which way we look at it, unless they change the laws in Correct. in tolling. And I don't know. I can't quite see that happening under either government. Yeah. Um, unless no, unless they find that West Connects is empty and no one is using it. Hmm. Then they'll have to change but then, it. But then again, let's also remember they're about 10 years too late because they have already established that Sydney as a city is fully built. The CBD is fully constructed and has to mm -hmm. operate like Vegas now where you have to tear something down and rebuild. 
There is no more room to grow. That is why they have gone, okay, Sydney CBD is complete. Let us move to Parramatta. Parramatta is now the new big hub. And the Mm. next one out is Penrith, which is starting to look like Parramatta looked like 10 years ago, where they've realized, oh my goodness, we're on flat ground and we can build apartments down Mulgoa Road because it only takes 15 minutes to walk from Panthers Stadium over Mm. to Penrith train station. You watch, they'll put a light rail running down Mulgoa Road before too long. It's wide enough to handle it and everything will start shifting further out west, which I don't know why they didn't do years ago, but it's going to happen now out of necessity. Parramatta's already growing exponentially. They're moving the Powerhouse Museum out there and redeveloping a good portion of the city just to accommodate the fact that that's happening. Of course. We're also starting to get the skyscrapers there. Yeah, well, there was the plan to build the tallest building in Sydney out in Parramatta. Yep. That plan fell through, I think, but like it, nonetheless, the plan was there. They like approval and everything. They were doing it, and well, then suddenly, I think someone went no. Well, they've still now got two skyscrapers in the city. Hmm. The city's growing. It just I, now the light rail, and, and you then watch of course, with... there's the there's the um, second airport heading out that way. Oh, that's going to Badgeries Creek. That's going to change mm. everything. That The whole dynamic will change. Penrith will become the next hub because currently it is the largest city base anywhere near Badgeries Creek, save for mm-hmm. Campbelltown. And Campbelltown's reputation, weirdly enough, is still a lesser reputation than Penrith to mm. some degree. So shy of there being a big turnaround, and you know what? There probably will be. all those suburbs will change overnight because someone will twig on and buy up all the property cheap there now and they're already doing it look at um, those apartments that I mentioned in Penrith that was all the light industrial area yes it is that's all all becoming apartments it's all changing very quickly so those areas will start to develop it's like Blacktown Blacktown's changed out of Mm. sight yeah yeah completely so everything around Badgeries Creek will change. All of Penrith will change. Campbelltown will change. Even Camden and Norellan will all of a sudden be very accessible and will become far more suburban heading toward mm. urban. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be a completely... It's going to feel so foreign to what, what it does now. <laughs> well, it's going to slowly catch up to what I'm sure it would be like across the US where you go inland and it stays Mm. relatively consistent you don't start seeing less and less as you go into the middle of the country the only difference is our inland is actually dry and hot and desolate because we don't have the great lakes running through the middle of our country to help keep growth we don't so it kind of it it means that the 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 coastline or the borders they they reach in as far as they can and they create yeah. these almost this this sprawling kind of or this urban sprawl all the way out as far as they can. Yep. Mm. With we're hubs, not, as you go. But we're we're not smart about it. Have you have you ever been out to Mildura? No, never. Okay, so Mildura is beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and it's very very inland, and all around. It, when when we went through there, we were driving through the Hay Plains, and we we took off of the Hay Plains into Mildura to stay there for a night and then hop back onto the Hay Plains for the rest of the drive. We're doing Sydney to Adelaide or Adelaide to Sydney, one of the two. Anyway, Mildura is green. 
I don't know if it's green all year round or what, but it's a very green sort of lush area because they've actually managed to get greenery going there and they've they've put in a fair bit of effort into having a suburban town going and it's quite nice. Yeah. But if they took that kind of care and effort to help encourage things to grow further out there, I don't think they can easily dismiss it as, oh, the, the planet controls it, oh, global warming, it's too hot out there, nothing will mm. grow. I think if you built the infrastructure and got the greenhouses going, you could It'll change work. it. You could change it. Or just build a bloody pipeline with the desal plant on the coastline. I keep saying desal, but desal's a good idea. It's not the worst idea. No, it works. It cleans the water. Build pipelines. We need yeah. Elon Musk. Yes, please. He's already taken care of South Australia with the battery. Yeah, done an amazing job on it. Amazing job on it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I, that's, let's let's see what happens, I guess. Um, I love that the heading of this little chapter was, let's talk about the light rail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah look, we're, we're at a stalemate right now, so, you know what, the pirate party is looking rather good right now. Pirate party. Nice. Uh, Drew. Uh, Philip. How long is the next Avengers movie looking like? Very interesting. I forgot that this was also something for us to talk about. Yes, I'm still <laughs> looking through our messages right now. Yes. The, the Russo would brothers. You like to, would you like me to tell them? I, yes. I, I, I would. I'll, I'll build up to you telling them. The Russo brothers were recently asked um, where Avengers Endgame was sitting in terms of a runtime, and they they gave us an answer to where their um, their current cut of the film is sitting, and how long will that be? Three hours. Three hours. To which I, I made a point of telling you, you better not get your liter of cola. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I've only made a mistake once, okay? I didn't know it was a real thing. I remember um, getting... I, I didn't get your super massive drink, but I remember getting a large drink for Age of Ultron and getting about halfway through the movie going, oh man, this is... I'm regretting this. And that was only two and a half hours, but... I, man. it's This movie needs to be three hours long. I would very much appreciate a three-hour-long movie, if I'm honest. I, I would too. I, I feel like we deserve it. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, they've... They've delivered on every count and everyone's really cautious about whether or not they can actually end it well. Mm. And, you know, everyone thought that it was heading toward an ending with Infinity War. And I remember them going, well, actually, there's two there's two Avengers movies. Like, mm. it's two stories, but it, it's a two-parter. And I thought, well, no, they, there has to be... This has to be half a film. And it wasn't half a film, but, you know, we all left feeling pretty shook we talked about this the other week yeah about how no one pegged the ending like that just no that threw everyone off i remember just leaving feeling so down and deflated yeah exactly i think the last time i felt so affected walking out of a cinema oh oh that's a good question that's a great question i think avatar avatar probably was the last time i felt emotionally affected and of course we all found out later that the reason so many people felt emotionally affected was the amount of blue used in the color palette in the film actually 
weirdly enough, the colour actually triggered an emotional response Is that from the right? audience. Yeah, that's why you I feel so emotional that. watching Avatar. Yeah, I was Is, trying to work out why I did. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, do you remember reading about how so many people walked out of the cinema feeling tearful? Even even well, though the, the movie has a good ending, and everyone walked out of the film feeling really tearful, it was the amount of blue used in the palette cre- created an emotional response triggered in your brain from just being exposed to that many shades of blue throughout a movie. Well, well it's the most embarrassing mo- movie moment <laughs> for me, but, like, uh, you know you know when the, the black, like, vicious creature kind of bows down to let the chick, like, get ride it? Yep. Ride the black thing? Yep. Yep. That seems inappropriate. But um, I remember in my mind, I remember it, it was probably the lamest, lamest, most pathetic movie moment ever. But I said to myself while I got the lump in my throat, I said, that's beautiful. <laughs> I said in my own mind, that's beautiful. And like, I get, kind of did a little shake of the head and like, wow, that's cool. And I had the lump in my throat and I was like, what the hell is this? This is so pathetic. I, I remember. <laughs> that's why. I, I know the moment that made me teary in the movie, and and it still gets me every time I watch it, is when Jake has his big speech to the Navi before yeah. battle, like, like before they before they go to meet the other tribes and the other clans, yeah. when he has the big speech and then he grabs Natiri's arm, and they run together through the crowd and hop on the flying creature and fly off, and yeah. and the drums pounding through that piece of music uh-huh. and then they jump uh-huh. on uh-huh. yeah that gets me yeah. it's just this really intense moment where they run together and it's like they're charging into war it's like when Aragorn goes for Frodo and charges off ahead yeah it's, it's that that oh. is that is that moment in Avatar for me and even I when I listen to the soundtrack it. and I hear those drums go I'm like oh there it is there's the moment oh dear oh I didn't know that at all that that was a fact. I find that okay. I'm yeah. very 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 satisfied now. I remember it's I read about me. it. I think it was about 6 months after the film came out because remember it was still playing in cinemas 6 months after yeah, it, it came was out. out. Ever. Yeah, cuz it did over over 20 weeks in cinemas. Well, what's crazy is that that James Cameron somehow built up this idea that this is a world event kind of thing that's what it felt like the release of avatar was like a world event rather than just it's another movie no it felt like a world event like everything got behind avatar not just like maybe mcdonald's ran a promotion or something like that no everything got behind avatar it was in cinemas forever it like everything was avatar 3d tvs became real mainstream because of avatar like everything became around avatar I bought one. <laughs> I bought one. I still use it. Like, <laughs> yep. I play yep. PlayStation with it sometimes. I sometimes watch Avatar in 3D on it. I've watched Avatar in 3D on it. It's good. It's so But good. it's... Yeah. But, you know, yeah, that's it's, it's crazy. He did this great thing. And there's three more coming? Three more. So the... No, four more. Four more. Yeah, there's three They're or four. They're going to do five. They're going to do five. So the plan is they've shot back-to-back... Um, two and three they've done, they've finished the motion capture it's filmed it's in the can and the plan is that Avatar 2 will come out next December I thought it was this December but apparently it's next December yeah, 2020 so 2020 and 2021 and then they'll mm-hmm. skip 2022 
and then have th- um, four and five come out 2023 and 2024. So there'll be that, that gap in the middle there. But they're only going to do four and five based on the success of two and three, apparently. Have they filmed? I can't remember. I didn't just I I, missed what you said. I thought, have they done? I thought they filmed all four. I But I'm, I may be mistaken, but I was sure I read that they had filmed all four. But then I read another report the other day that mm. said they'd only filmed two and three, so uh, I don't we know. Don't, we don't know. Okay. We, we don't know. But either way, like they're they're excited. I read a I read an interview with producer John Landau who said that they're actually very happy with the fact that Disney bought Fox because they've been working with Disney for the last eight or nine years on their world mm. of Pandora at the theme park in Orlando. Oh dear. Deary me. Um well, well, look, I'll have to go there. I'll have to go to Orlando. I'll have to try it out. I'll have to see the world. But um, what I do remember from Avatar a lot is that there was a really shitty game made by the same guys that made um, Assassin's Creed. A really shit PlayStation Ubisoft. game. Ubisoft. Yeah, it was by Ubisoft. Same guys yeah. that make Assassin's Creed. And I was hoping it would be maybe... Because the Avatar world and the movie kind of portrays this kind of parkour-style free world, do whatever the hell you want. Like, it's just massive environment kind of thing i was hoping it would be very much like that but instead it was and therefore which is that's what um assassin's creed was like so i was like oh these guys would have the right kind of game engine we'll be able to make the right sort of game nah it was it was terrible but um let's see apparently there's another avatar game in the works i've heard i had the game on the psp and i loved it yeah ps3 it was you expected so much more from a ps3 game and it didn't deliver sadly um you should buy the psp version it was actually quite good I might have to borrow a PSP from someone. But uh, no, apparently there's a new game. There's a new game solely... The the open world version that they've talked about. Yeah, which is solely not a movie tie-in game, but just a game based on Pandora, which would be fantastic. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, let's see how that goes. Uh, I haven't heard any news on it in about six months. Um, There was Mr. Drew. There is um, another game, one of my favourite games, The Uncharted games quadrilogy yes. the uncharted quadrilogy uh yes. the there has been rumblings of this movie based on the first game or a concoction of bits of the games um coming up for a long time yep. we got some news on that recently we uh we know obviously that tom holland is going to be nathan drake of course he mentioned in the live stream of the spider-man uh, trailer trailer that someone asked yes. him what, what were you saying that someone yes so someone asked him um, in the comments on the live stream last night uh, whether or not he was going to be in Uncharted and he looked he read it out loud he paused and went yes yes I will be playing Nathan Drake yes I'm going to be in the Uncharted movie um, there we yeah, go so, so he's playing very... young Drake we believe which is a concoction of Uncharted 4 and 3 where it shows a bit of young Drake so that's going to be really cool it's an exciting happening. prospect. Yeah, yeah, we also have, which is, which is, as I've always said, that's the way I would have done it too. Do young Drake, teenage Drake, or like teenage Drake, and then uh, a mm. little bit older, and then get into one the, the games one two three four. Um, we also have a director now. We're, yes, well, this is interesting. So we we actually had a director before we had um, we had many directors. We, we yeah, we've had many, but the the one sticking one that we had was Sean Levy. Yeah, brilliant brilliant director works well with um young actors um he has unfortunately stepped aside from the role i'm going to assume he's still producing 
but he stepped out of the directing position. Um, he's taken on another film role, in addition to the fact that he also produces and directs episodes of Stranger Things. So, mm. yeah, he'd probably... Been it, but. Yeah, he would have been. However, we've been very lucky. We've actually inherited the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane. Which I which love. I'm, yes, which I still haven't watched. I'm it's sorry. really good. It's really I good. Will. I will. Is it? I think it's now on Netflix. I think Netflix has all of Cloverfield now. Yeah, I think so. I still because, haven't seen Paradox, but, it, but Cloverfield Lane is excellent. Yeah, well, I, ne- I need to watch Cloverfield Lane first, and then I'll get on to the Cloverfield Paradox. I mm. will. But yeah, we've got that director. What was his name? Um, last uh, name Trachtenberg, but I've forgotten the first name. Yeah. Um, no idea. Is all I can see. Um, yes. His name is Dan. Dan Trachtenberg, that's yeah. the one. Yes, so very exciting news. Good, good to see a bit more um, steam rolling on that project. Absolutely, I'm very excited for that. Of course, and uh, because I'm Uncharted's number one fan in this country, I'd like to think, at least <laughs> at least this country. Um, I, I would agree, yes. <laughs> thank you. Uh, of course, then Tom Holland. Tom Holland news. Indeed. Uh, Spider-Man, Far From Home trailer so the whole point of the live stream hence that little tidbit there was that tom holland released the first trailer for the spider-man sequel spider-man far from home as the title would suggest they are taking spider-man out of new york and he is actually going on a class trip around europe yes indeed and of course some um superhero hijinks will ensue we have no doubt as the trailer suggests the trailer is very interesting it actually gave away a lot and then gave away nothing all at once Uh, yeah i would completely agree um we got to see some character development both in relationships and also just uh you know who people are and almost feels like some out some characters which were a little bit in the background in the last one maybe a little bit more prominent in this one yeah at the same time it told us nothing of what the hell's going on at all we saw some very exciting explosions and bits and pieces but at the same time no idea what the hell is going on i'm very interested in the fact that people are kind of jumping to conclusions about the result of the avengers Mm -hmm. in relation to this but you know what we actually have no idea absolutely no idea whether or not this takes place before or after infinity war yeah, exactly. When is this one due out? Later this year? July. July. Okay. So this is July. the next this is the the middle film. This is the one after um Infinity War. But is it? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well hang on. This is the third the third Marvel film of the year. So you'll What was have the first? What was the first Marvel film? Captain Marvel comes first and then When's Captain Marvel Endgame? Out? February or March oh, okay okay uh, no March 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 wow so they're only doing a month between two Avengers uh, between two Marvel films yeah we've got we've got Captain Marvel in March and then Endgame in end, April end, Endgame in April and then July is so they're having the back half of the year home. off yeah well, why are they spacing it out so poorly why are they smushing it all together is that not is that okay, not so- cannibalization of their own market well, I'm going to take a stab that they're they're running the same way they ran um, the lead up to the first Avengers, which actually worked quite well. Mm-hmm. So, if you remember the first one, we had Thor in November, then we had 
Captain America, the first Avenger, was early in the year. Mm-hmm. And then they ran Avengers pretty much straight after. Hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and see if I can find the... So you think that because... Dates. I guess because um, Captain America kind of led into the Avengers, it meant that they ran them two, uh, those two close together. And I guess because of the after credit scene at the end of Infinity War, we know that Captain Marvel plays some role in Endgame. So they're going to run them close together. Yeah. Same way Black Panther ran close to Infinity War. I think they'll play into each other quite nicely. Yeah, okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, look, I loved the, the Spider-Man uh, trailer. Of, of course, I'm, I'm so in love with this character, or with, with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I think he plays a fantastic young Spider-Man. I agree. I also love the MCU Spider-Man. I think it's a great Spider-Man. Yep. Great version of it. It also... It, makes things feel not more realistic because it's not realistic at all but at the same time in some ways it is a little bit more realistic like he doesn't shoot things out of his own arm it's that he has these yeah, attachments he, on him and stuff like that yeah he suits the world he's in which which i find really interesting that they brought in mysterio mysterio yeah. is not uh, he doesn't feel like mcu material and yet I'm sure he'll fit perfectly when we watch him yeah always they always seem to make that word except for Black Panther (laughs) to me Mysterio would have been perfect in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films like that's where I see yeah I agree I completely agree with that but then at the same time you know Sam Raimi planned on making Spider-Man 4 and it like it it didn't get to happen because Sony went nah we're gonna reboot but you know initially Raimi was going to do Spider-Man 4 and have John Malkovich play the Vulture, so... I still like, um... Keaton. Keaton. Like, yeah, Keaton's wonderful as the Vulture, yeah. and, and it just... You know, I, I this is why I'm sure the MCU and Feige and M- Marvel and Disney, like, they'll do a fantastic job with Gyllenhaal, and I, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he'll be excellent, and, you know, for years he was always he was always one of the front runners to play Peter Parker and now he's going to play a Spider-Man villain or who knows he doesn't he doesn't look like much of a villain in the trailer but all I've read today are people going bet you anything it's going to be like um, The Incredibles where he's the one that created the the bad guys that he's battling and mm. I saw some memes where he calls out that his name is Syndrome instead of Mysterio <laughs> and <laughs> And then people go, and cut, Jake, your line is, I'm Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Read some excellent memes about it. <laughs> well, let's see. Look, again, I have every faith in Marvel with Spider-Man. I, I think they've not yeah. done anything wrong so far, so... I don't even care if that is what they do, to be honest. I, I, I don't care. No. It doesn't matter whether the, the storyline is a well-trod story. It's about how you tell it. Yeah, yeah. So long it, as it's told I completely well. agree. I mean, and again, Marvel many... do that. Do Marvel do that well? They tell yeah. great stories. Well, how many times have we seen a Spider-Man introduction film, and then we got given Homecoming, which mm. did not? It was a completely it. yeah yeah. It was a great telling of an intro story. Yeah, I I was engrossed in it in that um, first film, and this trailer looks like a good natural continuation. Mm. Also, when, when he did the live stream, just fun fact, Jake Gyllenhaal and Zendaya were both 
watching the live stream and commenting, trolling him fiercely, <laughs> telling him to just release the trailer and to ignore Sony, telling him he had to wait another 10, 15 minutes before he could release it, going, no, no, do it now. Just forget Sony. Just release it. No one will care. Just do it now. <laughs> and also, yes. two of Tom Holland's brothers were on there trolling him, asking him which brother he loved more. <laughs> Assholes. It was um, so funny. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Ghostbusters will really touch uh, really quickly touch on Ghostbusters, and then we've got to get to Apple, and we can get to our sick hint of the week, which we may have already given away, but nonetheless, we're gonna do it anyway. Um, All right, we're gonna we're gonna shoot through because there's one other bit of movie news as well. Yes. So, um, two surprising but fantastic, and interesting, and possibly frustrating, but could be good bits of movie news that's kind of how i explained it Mm -hmm. to my mother earlier this evening so bear with us audience but first bit came out a couple of days ago um oh while i remember chris pratt got engaged to um katherine schwarzenegger i saw that yeah pratt is marrying into the schwarzenegger family let's Mm -hmm. all have a cheer for that awesome bit of news i'm happy with Um, that i like that i i like it too and funnily enough so does Pratt's ex-wife she was one of the first to congratulate them fantastic anyway moving on um Paramount Pictures and Tom Cruise have announced that they are going ahead with Mission Impossible 7 and 8 shooting back to back going to be released a year apart in 2021 and 2022 July of both years Mm mm-hmm and that they have locked down not only for Tom Cruise to return for both, which seems like a given, but they have also locked down writer-director Christopher McQuarrie to return to do both movies. Great after move. Having, after having written and directed Rogue Nation and Fallout, Fallout being the most successful Mission Impossible film of the entire franchise, both critically and commercially. He also had a hand in Ghost, Ghost Protocol as well, I think. He did, he did, Mm. he did some uncredited rewrites on the script for Ghost Protocol. He has had the most to do with the franchise outside of Cruz and J.J. Abrams. Mm -hmm. So, this is fantastic. I think it's a great move, a great move. We can only see good things to come. I always loved that they had a different director each time, and and I loved that after J.J. directed, he then stayed on to produce... Mm. After after producing MI3 and directing it, he stayed on and produced Ghost Protocol and every other one after. But Macquarie's done a fantastic job, so I don't. I also don't disagree with that. He has. I I, I love that they've they've had the sense to recognise that he's done such a good job and gone. Mm. Okay, you know what? The formula was good over the years, but now mm. we've found the actual winning formula, mm. and it's not only winning in terms of revenue it's winning over audiences and fans and people are thoroughly enjoying the movies and it's so weird to see a franchise hit its sixth movie and it is a continual story it's not like james bond where they reinvent themselves with a new actor Mm. and whatever every so many years or every so many films it is literally the same lead actor and for the most part the same supporting actors Mm. across the board and how many? Like, how old is the how old is the franchise this year? Do we know? Uh, this year marks twenty three years. Isn't that fantastic? Like, okay, James Bond's different because they have that reboot every couple of years, but or every so often. But yeah, this is the same crew from 
the first, well, the, you know, it's the same story yep. as the first film. Was it the first yep. one where he was being called Dominic and he pulled the mask off on the plane? Or is that the second one? Mask off on a plane? Mm-hmm. That's the second one. Second one. Okay, well, then the second one where he's climbing, he's rock climbing. First That's one's the since- second one, yeah. Why is it the second, is the second one as well? One. Yep. What the hell's the first one then? The first one is. He walks into the. Oh, for the opening of the first one they're doing an interrogation in a room and then he pulls off the mask and you find out that he was someone like that's the first time you see a mask reveal the first one is where his team all dies and mm-hmm. he gets framed for um for killing the rest of his IMF right. team and he goes on that's the run right. and he enlists well, the help of max well, since the first one, this has been a continuous story, and it's twenty something years old, and so they're doing an amazing job with it. And I can only see good things to come. I'm so excited! I like, I love him and Macquarie working together, mm, and I agree. I can only see good coming out of this, especially after Fallout. Fallout was my number one film of last year. It was your number mm. one film of last year. That's mm. just what an incredible piece of cinema and the fact that it's not getting acknowledged at any of the award ceremonies right now is just criminal i mm. i think they all need to pull their heads out of their asses because they are missing what was truly one of the most fantastic films to come along in over a decade that was a great film it was and yeah on a technic- i agree on a technical it? level yeah. it's just outstanding the things that they achieved i need to rewatch I, it Oh, I, I rewatched it recently and I still want to go watch it again and again and again and again. I love this movie so much. Anyway, that was one bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other fantastically weird and... I, I don't know. I'm excited and I, I don't... like. I'm also so cautious and I'm freaking out a little bit, both on good and bad ends of the scale. But uh, weird out-of-nowhere announcement today. Um, Jason Reitman, son of... Uh, prolific film director Ivan Reitman um, Jason is a fantastic director in his own right um, has uh, he and Sony have announced that he will be directing a writing and directing a new Ghostbusters movie it's canon the original story yeah that will be a direct follow up to Ghostbusters 2 now it's funny because I remember the game that they had almost felt like it was meant to be that it was in lieu of a third film yep it, and, it, and it, technically it is um, uh, all four of them returned to do their voices mm-hmm. for it and they said yes this is the the continuation and you know what maybe that will still technically be canon because this new one is set in the present day but continuing on from Ghostbusters 2 so m- maybe it'll incorporate the game as well who knows potentially I'm see and of course because I've I'm still as we all know I'm still in that you know probably controversial position why i didn't like the the female one because uh sadly be- you're you're with the most the majority which oh is- i don't think it's sadly because I, I i'm but i think i'm in the majority for different reasons than what the majority is i didn't like it because i'm of this whole idea of there's no point just making it like again it's the the ocean's eight thing just call it something else do something else don't do just who gives a shit if it's so similar but with women just don't call it the same thing because it's not the same thing that was my my gripe with it so my i i would have the same gripe with it because you know Mm -hmm. we're very politically incorrect here Mm -hmm. um i I would have the same gripe except that dan Aykroyd has said for a very long time and i mean a very 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 long time that ghostbusters 
is so much more than the four of them and that not only did he want to expand to having other Ghostbuster units around the US but that other dimensions were entirely possible where Ghostbusters could exist in other dimensions and parallel universes and that there were all these other different options but, and that it could create a fantastic multiverse. For sure. But at the same time, uh, you, he as the creator or the, the mind behind it can have those views of that's what's, what's his thing, thing. But at the same time, if he produces something for the public and then the public has a view of it or an opinion of it or, a, or sees it as one thing as the film is all about them, and I view it as it's the four of them, um, I don't agree that that despite having said these things for a long time that that can be the case well this he can do the, whatever he wants but i don't agree this is the same as the people versus george lucas yeah yeah it's true it's, the, it's exactly the same argument but i i think that the female-led one is actually highly underrated because i found it very funny but it, I found it funny, but just too silly. And, and it, again, it's, it, it suffers from the same thing as to start the episode off. We spoke about Jurassic Park and Jurassic World yeah, and how the yeah. Jurassic World films have poor, poorer scripts. Same opinion. The scripts of modern day movies are weaker and not as complete and more shallow and go for the cheap laugh, not the good laugh. And I feel like as much as I did actually surprise myself and giggle at the Ghostbusters movie, I didn't walk away from it going, man, that was a funny movie. I walked away from it going... Yeah, I, I laughed a little bit, but yeah, still same opinion. Haven't changed my opinion. I didn't, and it I didn't, didn't win me over because it wasn't a good script. It was a shallow script that was kind of funny, but not not as interesting as what the first two Ghostbusters movies were. There's there's an extended cut that's worth watching. Just from a storytelling perspective, it actually fills in all the all the little holes that were there. Um, don't know why that version didn't go to cinema in the first place because it, it's quite good but it's on the blu-ray I, I sat at home and watched it much preferred it to the theatrical cut thought mm. it was thought it made so much more sense it it won me over in different ways like walking out of it i i, I didn't walk out of it going that was really funny I did think parts of it were quite funny, but not all of it, because I thought some of it was a bit like, yeah, like that's not Ghostbusters. But from from an actual like from it being fun, and Ghostbusters is all about being fun, that part I went, yep, okay, they nailed that. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Yeah, yeah, they that that mentality, that they nailed, that yeah. I liked. But yeah, you're you're right that from like from other perspective it just yeah. Like dialogue I think there's a majority of the dialogue there that just doesn't sit right. Well who was who was in, it's not who even was all in Bridesmaids? Um uh, Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. Okay, so it is the same cast to some extent as Bridesmaids. Well it's the same director. We'll look at the we'll look at the dialogue in Bridesmaids versus the dialogue in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is significantly weaker. It's it feels like just because there's no swearing in it, they don't use like bad words in it and yeah. kind of show bad yeah. things yeah. in it. Yeah, it not feels like it's no, it's a PG kind of script versus an adult script. Yeah, and they're they're not in their correct wheelhouse. Like they are very yeah. powerful in Bridesmaids, and Bridesmaids is outstanding. It's one of Absolutely the best movies ever made. Absolutely. Um, but then you go to yeah, you go to Ghostbusters and. It, 
they are funny in there but even like okay so they're the only two that came out of bridesmaids and went into ghostbusters mm-hmm. i think the funnier of of the four of the other two and in particular um kate mckinnon's character holtzman like mm-hmm. she is far and away my favorite part of that entire I would agree. yeah favorite yeah. character and could be just one of my favorite movie characters full stop <laughs> i love kate mckinnon and i loved her so much in that like just ah, oh, brilliant beyond measure and she absolutely belongs in there um leslie jones feels like she's kind of made the ernie hudson character her own and she's actually made that character feel like he has he or she has more purpose than ernie hudson did i found i found that character that she was my favorite character in the movie yeah okay yeah i get that i get that well but but again like ernie hudson he just he's sort of the everyman that just sort of joins the group Mm -hmm. they don't actually give him any purpose whereas with her she's like you know what you guys are science smart but i'm street smart and i know new york yeah and it was like okay you have a real designated purpose in the team you don't feel like ernie hudson did where he was kind of shoehorned in Mm. and then even in the second one they reduced him to next to nothing yeah that's true like if you go back and watch ghostbusters 2 he i swear he actually has less of a part than rick moranis did they beefed up rick moranis was it supposed to be eddie murphy or something I don't know. I think I read somewhere it was supposed to be, but then he might have become too big or something like that, and they went, nah. But it just, like, it never makes sense. And, you know, they always talk about it being the four of them, but it's very much the three of them. It's not. It is. It, yeah. And, I, and I I've even seen, I've seen many it's, posters for the original film where where they even cut Ernie Hudson out completely. Yeah, it, it, well, it, it um, I think it's because the opening kind of moments are the three of them it's just what everyone's impression is yeah and uh, I don't know I, I I love Ghostbusters I love 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 Ghostbusters the original film is just this exceptional piece of work for many different reasons I think mm-hmm. and I don't think it's even the best movie I just think that from an enjoyment level it is so good that it beats out films that are actually better made mm. But and look, look, it has a theme song that's still a popular song. That was written in, what, ten minutes, I think? Yeah, something ridiculous. Like yeah, it, it's fantastic. But, and, and I was having this discussion with a very big Ghostbusters fan today already. Um, she and I had a, had a bit of a chat mm. about it, and I didn't even mean... I, I actually went on this massive thing about it, uh, about why I believe that making another one's acceptable. Um, but I think that because she said you know they they should leave well enough alone and i said you know what i would Mm -hmm. agree except that they shot themselves in the foot already and they shot themselves in the foot because they didn't leave it at one Mm -hmm. they made a second one that that was not a decent follow-up it it is it is okay it's a good movie but it's not a great movie and it certainly doesn't live up to the first one in addition to that, you have two different animated series, a video game that is meant to continue it, multiple other video games that mm. are awful, a female-led reboot that could potentially be part of it within a multiverse, an animated movie that is apparently in the works, and another um, male-led buddy film of it that's meant to have Channing Tatum and Chris Pratt in it. 
and now you've got a, a proper sequel out of yeah. all of that mixed bag now you've got it at, at least we're getting the the proper sequel and you know we we should have had this in the first place instead of the female one mm. and don't get me wrong I really like the female one and I like what Paul Feige did and I, I like the girls and I have my issues with it but I do like it but yes this is what we should have had from the beginning so well let's see what happens but and it's, we, it's a it's son of the director it is doing. son of the director it is Jason Reitman the genius behind thank you for smoking Juno um God, what else is, he's done so many up in the air like this guy is a very good director son of a director you really like saying that that's a great phrase it is it is a great phrase and you know maybe one day you'll be able to say it to him <laughs> hey you're son of a director that made ghostbusters one and two yeah now we gotta <laughs> hand it to ivan reitman he directed <laughs> some amazing movies yes he did ghostbusters one and two stripes for those mm-hmm. of you that have never seen stripes i was about to say go out and rent it but you know what go and find it by whatever means you can nowadays now that rentals have all but disappeared <laughs> go out and find it stripes is one of the funniest films ever made bill murray and harold ramis at their absolute peak and let's also remember that ivan reitman produced euro trip mm-hmm. oh, yeah. just to, just to throw that out there his company the montesino picture company made that one and he produced it he is no stranger to the frat comedies he worked with the original frat pack um but yeah his son jason who uh, i saw some photos in that in the article of him Mm. on set at the age of six when they made the first ghostbusters and then of course he had cameos in both films like Uh, a person he was cut from yeah second one though i i remember that moment oh yeah yep oh yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant so i I like it it's all in the family yeah i agree i i I think it's a good thing let's see what comes from it um let's get back to apple in a moment but first let's do our sick kent of the week of course if you'd like to be on the show reach out to us facebook um instagram in person whatever it doesn't matter even on soundcloud that's fine or anywhere that you listen to this leave us a review somewhere and say that you want to be on it and we'll message you and we'll get you on the show we'd um, like the feedback we really would absolutely we love feedback um of course we might not take it on board but that doesn't matter we like the feedback nonetheless no i'm kidding <laughs> we'd love the feedback um if you are on the show of course you will go into the running and if not probably get sick kent of the week and Indeed. this week, Drew, yes. it does have to do with Africa, both the country and the song. Indeed it does. Or range in Africa. Oh, so I, I sent... This was the last of the many, many, many things I've sent you in the last two days. Oh, yeah. But I think it could be the greatest. <laughs> yeah. I, I, seen, I saw it recently as well. I saw it the other day on Facebook as well, and I was like, oh, my God, what is this? I hadn't seen it. I just... I saw this article... Um, Jeez, when did I send it to you? I I only saw it about two hours ago. Mm. Um, So, as part of an art installation that has taken place in the Namibian desert, Mm a... What would you call him? Does he call himself an artist, this guy? Uh, Namibian German artist Max Siedentoff (laughs) has created an installation in the middle of the Namibian desert that has... Um, 
what is it? They're like a few stands on the ground yeah. set up with a speaker system. Um, where is it? An MP3 player containing only Toto's Africa <laughs> is hooked up to six speed speakers, all of which are solar powered that will be playing Africa on repeat for oh. all eternity. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Imagine going and stumbling Imagine being delirious in the desert. Like, you, 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 your plane has crashed or your car's broken down and you've yep. got no water. And you're hallucinating and you're just dragging your feet over these dunes and this just dust and heat and you're exhausted. And you think you can hear Africa playing in the background and you're going, am I going insane? It's a bit like the movie Touching the Void, that, that um, yep. a recreation, a dramatized recreation documentary where he he starts going insane and he hears brown girl in a ring uh, in the ring by um boney m on repeat and that's what he goes yep. insane to imagine that you're delirious and you're like why do i keep hearing africa by toto toto blessing the rains down in africa in the rains down in africa like just yep. in and out of in and out of the wind yep. and then you just crest this hill and you see these speakers and you're like what's that and you get to it and it's just Toto playing out loud and you're like what's going where am I you go insane I love that the installation is called Toto Forever it should have been called we're not in Kansas anymore I know I know but he hasn't he hasn't he's put an approximate location of the installation but he hasn't actually disclosed the exact location I hope no one sabotages this I hope so too, but it just it feels like a treasure hunt. But you don't want anyone to to ruin it. No, he, um, it's, he was it's quoted as everyone. he was quoted as saying, "I was very intrigued by this and wanted to pay the song the ultimate homage and physically exhibit Africa in Africa." <laughs> and he's got it. Yep. So Max Sindorf, Sintorp, Sintorp. We may need a Sieden German to Torp. explain the pronunciation Max, to us. Max Siedendorf. I don't know. Uh, you are this week's Sick Kent of the Week. And uh, just before we go, Apple has been rejected for some uh, new chips from Qualcomm. Qualcomm chips. Yep. yep. Uh, Qualcomm rejected them, so um, Intel had to take the brunt of all the orders. At the same time, when Apple did have both, they were having to slow down the Qualcomm ones, so mm-hmm. bit of a bit, bit of an argument there, but Apple have taken them to court, and now Qualcomm are counter-suing them, although I don't know how they have any grounds to. I did read the entire article, and mm. their, counter, their counter case makes absolutely no sense at all, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a thing. Also, the other thing we forgot to mention, uh, there may be some meteors hitting the Earth. Uh, this is a, a real warning, yeah, real warning massively, from NASA. <laughs> they're, they're within 900 million miles of Earth, I think it was. Yeah, which is just ridiculous. And one other thing that I... No, no, it was it was 990,000 yep. miles, which makes it just short of a million miles. Yep. And one other thing I clean forgot to... I don't even remember if I messaged you... Um, Annapurna Pictures, who made Blade Runner 2049, are suing mm-hmm. the car company that provided the cars for the movie because they did not do any advertising campaign to tie in with the film, and that was part of the contract for them having the cars in the movie in the first place. Peugeot. That would be Peugeot, I think it is. Yes. Um, 
Here comes DJ Quads, of course. Drew, thank you very much. We did it. Smashed it out. This is a monster episode. Monster news episode. episode. We did it. We got there. Oh. Non-stop talk. Thank you very much. You thank you. Show, of course, reach out to us. We'll see you all next week. Yep.